Welcome to another episode of Consider This Question. Um, this is Ryan Vincent, and I have with me some friends to discuss the, uh, the the topic of idolatry in the workplace, or idolatry in um, your career. And specifically, the question that we're asking is, how do we recognize this idolatry, and then how do we address it? Um, I have with me Jill Prather, Rebecca Eastham, and Amanda Butler, and... Uh, that's correct. We have, regarding the, the topic of work, we've brought in three gifted and capable women um, to discuss a, a topic that is typically um, reserved for men or, or stereotypically a male problem, but that really just doesn't hold a lot of water. So we brought in some people that we thought could speak to the issue just as well. Um, actually, let's go around the table before we hop into some of the, the questions that we're going to deal with and just talk about what is it you do? What is kind of, how would you describe your career? And, um, and let us know a little bit about you guys and work. So Jill, we'll go with you first. Okay. Um, my degree is in engineering, and I practiced in that for a few years before I had children. Then when I had children, I became a stay-at-home mom for a few years. Um, we had an engineering business a few years after that, so I kind of slowly worked my way back into the worst workforce, um, doing mainly bookkeeping at that time, just kind of a self-trained bookkeeper. And um, that kind of grew into actually a pizza restaurant that we own. And pizza. yeah, good pizza and Demario, Demario's um, Pizza and Perkins. There's my plug. <laughs> um, and so I kind of do administrative type stuff for that. Um, and then I began working at the church here at Sunnybrook, and I started in the financial area and do bookkeeping there. And it kind of grew into the office manager position. So I get to do. Um, database and things like that. I, I actually get to use a few engineering skills mm -hmm. every once in a while. And so I like that. So I'm a mom, a pizza restaurant owner, and a church office manager. Yep. And we're quite convinced that um, a lot of what we do around here would not really ever get off the ground were <laughs> Jill not involved. Um, the There is a word floating around the office at the church called diligence, and we rely on <laughs> Jill to be diligent. Um, and help us do things well, and she does an excellent job. Rebecca, tell us what about you, what you do. and Well, I'm currently at Meridian Technology Center. I'm the Executive Director of Business and Industry Services, which basically works uh, with companies of all sizes, from entrepreneur to large manufacturers, large companies, and we provide their training for them. So I work with that group that coordinates that. But my first passion and love was the hospitality, the hotel and restaurant business. I knew in the 10th grade I was going to be a hotel GM. Um, <laughs> I had a, an English teacher who gave me a wonderful book by Jeffrey Archer. And uh, the heroine in the book was ran her father's hotel company. And I thought, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> Besides that, my brother said, man, if I did college all over again, I'd be a hotel restaurant major because they had fun. <laughs> I was like, ding, 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 we have a college major. Um, so uh, I came to OSU. I got my degree in hotel and restaurant administration and um, it began kind of working in that world. Uh, worked in Texas and Colorado and was with companies like the um, Hyatt Hotels and Resorts, the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs. But the whole time I worked in that industry, I had a focus in on human resources and especially training. And um, I moved back to Oklahoma and started working for the Restaurant Association, the Lodging Association, and helping um, schools put in curricula curriculum so that uh, high schoolers could discover this career of hospitality because um, it is, I still believe it's a, a fabulous um, opportunity for people. And I got the bright idea 
idea to come back to school. And so I earned my master's and then decided, wow, I think I want to be a college professor. <laughs> I want to teach the next generation of leaders. So I came uh, back to OSU and started working on my PhD. And um, I, you know, if they give you nine years to get your PhD, I think you should take all nine years to get your <laughs> PhD. I eventually finished. In the meantime, um, I was hired on as faculty uh, with OSU, and I was the general manager of the Atherton Hotel and the Ranchers Club for a while. And um, kind of discovered a little burnout in that process. Um, in fact, I told Kyle, it's probably a good thing we didn't have children because I don't think they would have eaten uh, for about two years because I, I was at work all the time. And, and if he had packed up his bags and walked away, all I could do is stand on the porch and go, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it really, and I'm sure we'll probably talk more about that, but um, had an opportunity at Meridian that uh, presented itself that was very much training and development. A lot of what my experience had been at the Broadmoor really translated pretty well into the position. And that's where I've been the last six and a half years. Cool. Amanda. Tell us. Yes, um, I am a project and operations manager for a website company here in Stillwater. And so what that means is I get to run consultations with any business here in town that needs insight or what do you do with the World Wide Web in 2016? How do we um, make ourselves known and, and what is it that we can do better? And so I get to sit down with them and really help unpack all that. Um, and then on the other side, once they become a client, I get to run the course of everything. So from start to finish, I'm your person. I make sure you stay on track. I make sure you know what's going on with your project, how to learn how to make changes. Um, it's a very relational job. I'm constantly, um, I almost have like a marriage relationship with my clients a little bit like you have to have good communication with them you have to make sure that they're feeling needed and understood and vice versa and so um that's what i get to do on a weekly basis i meet with these people and make sure that they understand the technology that's happening around us and um we also build apps so that's been really interesting we also um help people with search engine optimization, which is kind of a weird thing, but that's where marketing is going these days. And so I really have to stay on top of my toes. I didn't go to school for any of this. I went to school um, for mass communications and uh, emphasis in photography. Mm. So I don't use a lot of those skills, but... Um, you know what looks good. I know, I know some aesthetic appeal, yeah. and I did two years of graphic design. So as much as I'm not in the weeds with um, our designers and our developers, I'm there hearing them and understanding what it is that they need. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really been a neat journey because I went to school thinking I was gonna be some big shot in New York City and go work for a big ad agency, um, make six figures, uh, great salary like my dad did and really make him proud because I went to school to have this credibility and um, yeah, God really, <laughs> he switched gears because um, before this, I worked for a church in Owasso, and he really softened my heart for what it can do to, to take time and communicate with people. Mm -hmm. And um, that's more than just a everyday thing that I do. So now I get to channel it through my profession. So it's really cool. Okay. Well, that, that, that's actually a really good segue into our first question. And I want to start with you. Okay. Um, 
it sounds like initially, and I think many of us have this um, early on, that we have these humongous goals. My goal was, I believe my goal was going to be, I'm, I'm too in a different industry than I, than I went to school for. My goal was to have my first Ferrari by the time I was 35. So I got four years left, so maybe, we'll see. Um, but based on these, these high, high goals that you have and this, this desire to, you know, in some sense, please your dad or however that works out, how do, have you come to, um, like, walk us through what it was like to wrestle through both your identity and your purpose in life as a follower of Jesus when it comes to education, career? What are some of the things that you've really kind of wrestled through and worked through? Yeah, I mean, I... Early on, um, I mean, it really hit me a lot when I was in college. I, I came from a Christian family. I mean, I knew who the Lord was and um, the general basics of how you're supposed to follow him, but I wasn't following him. So my mindset was not about what was going to please him and his kingdom. It was about what was going to please me and what was going to get me the big paycheck, what was going to get me known in this world through you know, what society is telling me. You go to school, you learn a skill, and you do it well, and you get paid for it. Um, and so... I think, ooh, groundbreaking for me was I got asked to go to Honduras to help um, on a mission trip after I got done with college um, because I wasn't finding a job in my skill set. I was waitressing and, um, you know, I was thinking about applying to go get my master's. I was really lost. I wasn't sure what that looked like. And so um, I go to Honduras and that was great. And, and, you know, I'd never been on a mission trip, so it was, you know, the, it was nice and cultural. And, um, then I go to Thailand about six months later and, um, God really introduced me some neat, to some neat people. Um, they wanted me to help capture the culture there. And they said, we want, we know you've got a photography background. Like, can you help us just with a little bit of this and a little bit of that? And I said, you know, I, I mean, I guess that's kind of what I went to school for. So I should, you know, get dad's money's worth kind of thing. And so, um, and uh, I don't know, something changed while I was over there. Something changed about how, how can I be bigger than myself with this? How can I do something that is not so selfish in my motive to be something in this world. And so that was just really the kickoff of the journey because it all really snowballed from there because eventually they had asked if I would stay over there and um, and really commit to time bringing awareness and uh, to all the different areas in the mission fields that they were practicing it with that organization. And so by the time I got back to the States, I was really convicted. Hmm. I was in that moment of, I have had this wrong desire. I've had something just shift inside of me. And so not that long after that, I, I ended up changing my attitude and my perspective when I was waitressing. Like that was my mission field. If I wasn't going to be overseas, if I wasn't going to be in some, you know, foreign country, I just, I needed to do it here. That was going to be the first start. And so I love taking care of people. That's, I mean, hospitality, I can totally relate to some of that magic Rebecca was explaining. Um, and I got to really nurture that. And, um, I met Kyle shortly afterwards. I got called to, uh, Owasso and worked at the church there. And so it just, it started evolving. It started making sense. Like this is so powerful. This is so much more meaningful than thinking six figures, New York city and the limelight. Like this is, there's something different about this and it's more fulfilling. It's not just surface level. It's like, 
garbage in, garbage out kind of mentality. It felt refreshing and new energy just kind of came with it. So it was a struggle. I mean, you don't want to say no to thousands of dollars and Ferraris in your near future. But I mean, there's just, it sounds cliche, but it's true. There's something bigger and it's God. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And so it's not even to say that, you know, large salaries and yeah. success in New York City is innately bad. But for you... But for me, it would have been damaging. Okay. I've always had this big joke inside of my head of there's a reason why God would never want me to win the lottery. Like, there's a very big real temptation for me. Um, mm. Like I said, my dad, he provided really well for us and we had lots of things. We went on vacations. I mean, we we really had a great childhood. And parts of me look back on that and say, you know, it wasn't their fault that they they really took care of us and did great things with us, but it started to trigger some sort of dependency inside of me. I wanted those things. That's how I felt taken care of. That's how I felt um, whole. So, Jill, Rebecca, have you guys wrestled with your your purpose or your identity when it comes to success in the workplace? Have you guys wrestled with this thing? I have um, in I have really always been very achievement driven. I don't know if it's just because I was raised by a dad who was very I mean, we set goals and, you know, those kinds of things. And um, and and he was in the Air Force military, very rank driven. Mm -hmm. And so a little bit of I think that exposure. And so I've, I've just always kind of been achievement driven. And so it was about what job did I get? What company did I get? I can remember moving from the Hyatt Beaver Creek in uh Colorado, which is a beautiful, great ski resort, but going to the Broadmoor, and it was like, to use a baseball term, it was like being in the minor leagues and being called up to the majors. You know, I'd hit the show and yeah. five star, and, and that I truly wrapped who I was in that. And it was a career field that you worked a lot of hours. And so those people became my family. And I did withdraw, even though a lot like Amanda, you know, I was raised in a, in a, in a believing household. We went to church. I knew who Jesus was, but just superficially now mm -hmm. that I look at that and um, I, uh, I was married before I got married in Colorado and um, in 2000 that world began to fall apart and um, I moved back home and that was um, I quit my job I left a husband um, I had always been that cool kid at class reunions that I lived in Colorado and you know all that and now I had to come back and I was a little bit more like George Costanza on <laughs> Seinfeld you know I'm living with my parents and um, talk about that pride that I had um, and in this process um, God put a woman in my life in Colorado Springs that uh, got me into a Bible study where I really started to read the word and get in the word it wasn't just bible stories anymore and i can remember hearing just this word obedience it just mm -hmm. kept resonating through me and everything and so i moved back home and i can remember i was unemployed it was december of 2000 and i'm sitting in my parents home and i was no longer all these things i'm no longer the director of training at the broadmoor i'm no longer mrs joe amoroso i'm no longer I, I could list of all these things that i was not and i was like oh my gosh if i'm not these things who am i mm -hmm. and again probably the first time i really experienced god's voice was you're mine mm -hmm. totally totally changed my life and uh, just stripped away that pride and that of I 
I'm God's, that identity in Christ. And, um, and that has kind of been a, a guiding light for me. And, and it certainly wasn't the easy button and life's <laughs> great. No, there were some struggles and there continue to be struggles, but it shifted my focus of I'm his first mm-hmm. and then everything else then comes alongside. But I was 35 before I figured that out. Mm. So, yeah. I think um, I never had great aspirations career-wise. I knew even when I got an engineering degree that it was just temporary. And once we had kids, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And um, I don't think I ever really thought beyond that. So I think I probably um, struggled a little bit with when I did enter back into the workplace, um, how to balance that with my family because I really felt called that my primary job was to be a wife and mother and so I have one shot at this and I've got to do it right and I don't get any do-overs so um, I think just main making sure that I handled that right but didn't let that become an idol or or even let my kids know that they are the center of my world. I mean, because they weren't, but that's just where I felt called by God to be my primary focus during those years. And so then, um, you know, moving back into the workplace, I was fortunate enough to, you know, finally end up in a church. And so, you know, it's easy to see, you feel like you're working for God, you know, when you're working a church, but but you really has to have to keep that in check. Just because your check comes from a, a church doesn't mean that you're really following his calling. Mm-hmm. So um, I think for me, it was just more balancing the roles and uh, the places that God had called me and put me to. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear you, you've each wrestled with this in some area and to some degree. Um, and we're always wrestling because I think that we have this this notion that we have to be going somewhere. Let's just make sure we're going to the right place. Um, there's a, there's an end game to all that we do, and it's always heading in a certain direction. And so, Jill, we'll, we'll even start with you and go back around. How have you come to understand your calling? As we've wrestled through this, okay, what am I heading towards? Because you talked about you felt called to be a mother. Well, Ty's married. Liesel's in college. What is your calling and how has it maybe over time even changed? And how have you come to understand that? Right. Um, So my calling now, I really think is for me to use the gifts God's given me and um, to be happy with those gifts that they're not the same as somebody else's gifts. Mm. I mean, that's why I may have diligence, but I'm not the one asking the questions on the podcast, you know? I don't have the gifts other people have, and sometimes I struggle with that. Um, But I try to accept what God has given me, and I use that um, wherever He takes me. And I try to see um, the things I do. I always try and keep them in check with, is this how God wants me to, to do this, how he wants me to handle this, how he wants me to treat people. Um, so I try to use whatever it is that he's given me to just mm-hmm. make sure I'm following his will. Amanda, where do you see yourself right now? What, what, what is God moving you towards? Oh boy. Um, he has really challenged me to, to love Stillwater, Oklahoma. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it sounds small after kind of looking back on all the other grandiose visions that I had in front of me. Um, 
but I think that's where he has me right now. I think that that has taken a long time to really accept and um, moving around has helped. Um, getting married has helped and just kind of having that acceptance of this is where you are right now. And if I move you to another country and you do missions, because it's a huge heart of, I mean, I just, I can't imagine us never not being in a foreign country um, for any capacity of time. But right now, this is what he wants me to do. And that's loving the church. That's loving every ounce that um, means inside of work. Mm -hmm. I mean, loving my clients in a way that maybe they're not used to being loved. Um, yeah, it's, it's loving Stillwater is kind of where it's at right now for me. Um, and I've seen a lot of fruit come from that. And that's not by any means to put a pat on my back, but my job has truly given me a revolving door of people I never, ever, ever would have stepped foot and interjected with. I mean, Rebecca and I are sometimes at the same networking events, and it's just neat. I mean, I, I would have never willingly met some of these people and to really understand this is my mission field these are people that God's giving me opportunity with um that's enough that really I mean it's very simple right now for me but um it'll change I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca what advice would you give our brothers and sisters here at Sunnybrook um when it comes to maintaining a Christ-centered focus um, in our careers, in our, you know, for college students when they're at, when they're, they have four years at this university, what, what can we do to make sure that we don't lose sight of the goal and don't become kind of mired in our own success for success's sake? I would say um, continuing to be in the Word, surrounding yourself with godly people who will help you, <laughs> hold you accountable. My small group is uh, probably one of the, the best places for me personally. So being in community with the church, having a small group, um, but you know, our life group, I'll, I'll come to them with, you know, I had no white space in my calendar this week. And, you know, I just, I haven't learned, you know, I haven't been still, I have a real problem, you know, it's idolatry of work, but sometimes for me, it's the idolatry of busyness even. Hmm. And um, so the more I'm in the Word, the more I understand that I should have an eternal focus. I mean, just was kind of thinking of some of the things that Jill was talking about of just, I need to have this eternal perspective. And I don't have to compartmentalize church and work, hmm. church and, and life. They go together. And the more I study the Word, the more I'm exposed to the Word, the more I see how I can live that out and then surrounding myself with that, that church body. And, um, I, I host a, a table group and that has been really good for me or the a college table group. And that has been good for me because I realize when I come flying into that uh, table group and, you know, my hair's on fire and I'm trying to whip out some kind of snack for them or, um, and I haven't prepared and I'm not with this holy expectancy of the time that we're going to have together. I realize I'm not modeling that for these young women. And going back to purpose right now for me, that uh, it's this servant leadership that I think I'm called into, whether it's at work or with um, my table group of just making sure I'm surrounding myself with people. So kind of a long answer to your question of just being the word, making sure you understand the words and have this eternal perspective and then surround yourself with a, a community of believers that mm -hmm. 
hold you accountable. Yeah, I, I really like how you, you describe this tendency that we all have, I think, to, to want to compartmentalize our, okay, I have my family here, I have my church here, I have my job over here. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know who's in your table group, but I'm, I'm sure they hear Scott and Drew harp on this idea all the time, and they call it integrated faith. And so they're convinced that uh, our faith in Christ is one that can and should be naturally lived out in whatever context we have. So, Jill, what, what advice would you give to those listening about, like, what it looks like to live an integrated faith in the workplace? And this is kind of weird because you do work at a church, and so right. one of those weird places where we pray all the time and talk about the Bible. But what would you, what would you give as some advice? Well, I mean, there are definitely human weaknesses that you find when you work in a church in yourself. In oh, yourself. I thought you were talking about us. No, 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 no I get it. I get it. <laughs> but so, um, you know, I think it has identified and that's probably just part of growing older too, is I, I tend to um, constantly be evaluating what I'm doing and what I'm saying. And um, Mark likes to call it second guessing and um, I can get way too caught up in that but um, I do try to just be conscious just you know every once in a while do an evaluation okay did I handle that right and I do have people like Rebecca I have people in my life that know hey if you mess up I'm going to tell you (laughs) and um, and I constantly go to them and say did I handle this right was this the right thing so um, I think just self-evaluation and prayer i mean i Mm -hmm. pray all the time god let me do this in the spirit that you want me to Mm -hmm. let me speak in the words that you want me to um so i think that with community and accountability i I think that's where it is okay amanda you um you spend time in an office with some designers and and that type and you also, as the kind of the, the coordinator between the designers and the clients, you spend a lot of time with, I'm, I'm assuming, business owners in mm-hmm. Stillwater. So you have some a lot of firsthand experience with, um, with people that are in the workplace and, and probably successful, do it to a high level. What, what do you see in yourself and in others is what are some of the reasons that we're so tempted to idolize work and to find our meaning and our purpose in our jobs? Oh boy. Yeah. It, um, kind of has a big range. Um, I think time, what, how you're spending it at work can be very consuming, uh, whether you like it or you hate your job. Um, yeah. if, cause sometimes our projects are very demanding in hours and, uh, we also have kind of an incentive program with our team. And so they know that if they crank out a project under what it's projected to be done at, then they get paid sooner or they get, you know, whatever reward X is. And so I think that that runs the risk sometimes of burnout, I think, or you can start to just get caught up in obsessing over it. Hmm. And so if you're obsessing over something else, then it can turn into an idol, I think, real quick. And um, business owners, I mean, I, I think I'm really a, a, an example of this sometimes. And my phone is actually sitting right here and I've had several emails come through and they're notifying me. And I, like I mentioned before, love to help people. I love to be a needed person. And so if I see my phone go off and all of a sudden, you know, I can help that person, 
I instantly want to shelf whatever it is that was taking my attention, whether it be my husband, whether it be my life group, whether it be um, one of our college students. I mean, it, it really, it can stray that fast. And so I've really had to find some boundaries to discipline myself and remind myself of this is not where your focus needs to be. And that's okay. That, you know, if I'm doing this 40 plus hours a week, it's okay that it's not the focus right at a certain moment. And so I see that in our clients. I see them just come in exhausted from what they're doing. I mean, most of them are small business owners, so they are the bread and butter. They are living their life through their business. Um, and uh, it's, it's heartbreaking sometimes because you do, you just see the life sucked right out of them. And whether they realize it's an idol or not, there's something very consuming happening in their world. And um, and again, it feed, I feed off of it because I just wanna help find um, a source of relief for them. And yeah. so if I can be that relief, then all of a sudden I've just snowballed right into everything yeah. else. But those are just a couple things that I've seen is really time is, is a huge one. Hmm. I do think people sometimes um, when, when there's an emptiness, when there is a hole, they're, they're gonna, I'm gonna try to fill it up. And sometimes their work, um, they're trying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fill that emptiness up with my work. And that's where that identification I think yeah. comes from. And, and that, but it's just this empty kind of just, it's not the water, you know, they, mm -hmm. they still remain thirsty at the end. And yeah, so it's I, very shallow. And, um, and it's easy, I think, to use work as an escape when mm -hmm. things aren't good at home or yeah. in their neighborhood, whatever it may be, that sometimes work is that safety yeah. and that escape as opposed to leaning on a faith. Yeah. Their faith. And if, if, you, if you're interested in kind of the affirmation that comes with work, like I get, I get immediate response to things that I do and produce and people say, yay, good job. Then they give me a paycheck. I don't get that kind of direct affirmation of good parenting with a three-year-old. <laughs> like I don't. I'm just gonna like hope that this somehow pays dividends one day. But at work, it's like, no, I can like, I literally have on my desk a gigantic checklist of things I've been working off this week and just feels so good to mark stuff off. And so for those of us that like to achieve, work can really kind of satisfy in ways that are even inappropriate um, where We've now replaced the satisfaction we have in Jesus with, you know, I just really need Jill to be happy with whatever I did. <laughs> and I think it's interesting that you have women here alone, um, separate from the men, because I think I've seen in the last 15 years a huge change in how many women are working. And so I think that that, I mean, that causes a whole nother spectrum of of issues but you know do we find pride in our work because mm -hmm. okay now this is my job I'm done being a mom or whatever and now I've got this job and and look at me look at me this is what I'm doing um, but I just think that transition from the culture is driving us towards more success and money and what are you doing and that's how you gauge success is what is your job you know you can't just be a housewife anymore you've got to be a doctor you know yeah. and so i think that's just been an interesting transition to watch and again maybe it's just this stage of life that i'm in that i see that a lot more but i know even you know one of the schools i'm involved with trying to find a mom to volunteer in the middle of the day used to be easy 15 years ago. Now you can't hardly find one that's not doing something else. So I think there's just so much pressure from society to be somebody. So, yeah. 
What are the conversations you guys are having at home with your husbands about these kind of things? Have you expressed to them kind of the temptations you feel in the workplace? And how are you guys, I want our people to learn from three women who seem to think about this at a very high level and seem to be doing a good job processing. What are some of the things that we can be talking about with our spouses when it comes to mitigating the temptations to idolatry? And when the temptations come, how do we not fall for them? Um, I know for Kyle and I, we uh, try to look at our time, especially when we've had busy weeks and where we haven't, where he and I haven't had time together um, and kind of have that conversation of, are we letting work get in the way? Um, Also, when new job opportunities have presented themselves, that's probably the most common when we have some of those conversations is when new opportunities come that um, have really nice titles with them or higher salaries with them that we have had those tough conversations of if we say yes to this what are we giving up what do what could we lose in this process and I know uh, I had an opportunity at the beginning of um uh, last year that would have taken us to Atlanta and it had a nice CEO title and it was back in the hospitality business but realized it was going to be about 80% travel Wow! and we talked about but look at our lives now we're connected um, one to each other we have good quality time together we are in a, a faith community that we love we're active in church we are in um, Stillwater which we have learned to love too like, like Amanda <laughs> has said and you get really plugged in we could say yes to this opportunity but look what we are saying no to and and that was a really important conversation for us to have and I would say for us that's probably the meatiest hmm. conversation we've had in regards to that and and it it didn't make sense to pursue that. We knew we would, I think of that song about um, about losing your soul, you know, kind of, you can say yes to the world, but you'll just completely yeah. kind of lose your soul. And um, I think we were really tempted with it, but boy, it was <laughs> exciting to think about. Sure, sure. And <laughs> advancement, is not, advancement isn't always free. It always comes at the cost of something right. else, right? Jill, what have you talked, um, what have you been discussing with Ty and Liesl? Ty is, as we all know, smarter than anyone ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Liesl is probably the same. And they're both going to do very, very well for themselves. How have you kind of talked to them about these kind of things as they go off to kind of create their own lives? Right. Well, we've talked to them about really following God's calling. Um, You know, we when Ty was little, he would watch Bob Vila. I mean, when he was three, that's what he watched. And so we always talked about he was going to be a civil engineer. Yeah, yeah, not Bob the Builder, but Bob Vila. So, um, so you know, we kind of had that plan for him. And um, with Liesl, she did not want to be an engineer. Her, She comes from a whole family of engineers, so she wanted to do something different. So she wanted to be a doctor. And um, so... She's going to slum it up in the medical <laughs> world. But but really, so we tried as much as they grew up thinking those things, we tried to just really reinforce to them, you've got to find what God wants you to be. And if it's an engineer, you be the engineer that God wants you to be. Um, they have seen their dad be an engineer for, you know, 30 whatever years in the workplace and really use what God has given him to to serve him in the workplace, to be a witness to others, to show integrity in his work. Um, and, you know, and 
at least if she ends up not going to medical school, she's not quite there yet. Ty's done, so he's probably set. Um, Lisa, if she's not, if she decides to choose something else, it doesn't matter. You've got to do what God wants you to do, where he's leading you. James Dobson has a great story about his father and, you know, wanted to be an artist and a letter got hidden on a desk that was never mailed. And, you know, had it been mailed, it would have totally changed the course of everything, you know. So um, you just really have to look for where God is calling you and be willing to answer that. And then wherever he puts you, you don't see it as just a job. You see it as how am I glorifying God through what I'm doing? Am I loving people? Am I showing them, you know, integrity? Whatever it is you're doing, you've got to make sure that you're you're using it to serve God wherever it is. Oh, I like what Amanda said earlier about her clients being your mission field, you know, and your work is your mission field. I really think that is mm-hmm. definitely the mindset you have to have mm-hmm. that that wherever you are, that that is your mission field and you can serve there mm-hmm. and um and, and they aren't separate that integrated faith concept again well, this has been really helpful um and really good and i think really encouraging to our people um and unless we leave them with the idea that you guys are perfect and have it all figured <laughs> out i want us to wrap up with actually um a, a quick confession of what are some of those things that are you are most tempted um, with in, in the workplace? What are some of those areas where you still really have to be careful lest you struggle with, uh, with idolatry of work? My love language is words of affirmation. And so I will do, uh, my goal is to do whatever you need me to. Mm-hmm. I want you to be happy with me. I want to meet your needs. And so I have to continually remind myself that I, I need to be uh, working for God's approval. And that may be serving you but that's not what keeps me in check um i'm a lot like amanda i can get so drawn away from other things that i neglect you know what's right there in front of me that i need to be doing so i tend to uh Again, going back to that achievement driven, I get a little competitive. Um, I want my team to, you know, to hit goals and and I can kind of push and get caught up in that and forget, oh, they may be having an issue at home. You know, when's the last time I've had a good conversation with them as opposed to so, you know, huh? how many enrollments did you have this month or whatever it may be? And so um, my uh, I, my pride, I have to really humble myself that um that I don't get so caught up in goals or trying to be the best and mm-hmm. kind of that recognition that comes with that. So that's where I have to work. I think for me, um, it, it will still be time management. Um, I, I harp so hard on my team sometimes about how they're managing their time. And so I can get a little bossy. I can get a little, <laughs> little prideful myself of look at how good I'm doing. And I've got all, I've got five whole emails in my inbox and you guys are still sitting on 20. What's happening? Um, and so I think I, I honestly, I think pride and uh, managing that humble attitude and really making sure that the words that are coming out of my mouth, that they don't sound filled with this frustration and this angst. And um, I do check a lot of, um, like to pull my God card out at work sometimes and remind myself like, you are representing Christ. Like, why did you have that attitude? We have an internal chat system, so we don't necessarily have to walk to the other person's office to communicate. We can do it right there. And. Um, and I think, oh boy, <laughs> that may have sounded a little harsh or, you know, I'm, I'm going to go around the corner and make sure that that person knows that I value them 
that I really appreciate everything that they're putting into this work day and um, that I ask them, you know, what's going on in your life? That I remember to make time for important things. And yes, our clients, they, they, they have hired us to be professional and there's no um, excuse to not be professional with them. But if one of my team members is having a really hard day, I wanna make sure that I shift my time dedicated to them. If that means 20 minutes and taking them next door to Aspen and really understanding like, what's going on? Like, I mean, is there something you're struggling with today? And letting them know that this is a workplace, but we can still talk about that stuff. And so um, reminding myself to, to slow down and remember it is me working for the kingdom of God, and it is that integrated faith totally. I'm so glad that that word got brought up because that has been a huge season of my life of I don't feel Monday through Friday and then a break at Saturday and Sunday as much as I used to. It feels like it's starting to bleed into each other, and um, I, I think that's huge when you start to realize that this is a daily Thing. You are you are his on a daily basis. You are goal minded by him, and um, and use those things. I mean that I don't I don't know how to others say. Uh, I'm just so thankful that I've figured it out, and I've only been in my career for oh five years ish, and so I can't wait to see what else there is to learn. I, I'm excited to listen to these women who have been in it for a long time. And I know men struggle in other ways. Like I said, I just, uh, women are relational at our core. So if that starts getting tampered with, we're probably very easy to sway. (laughs) I think too, that maturity in your faith, um, uh, that it becomes less and less of an issue. Hmm. Does that make sense of just, I've known, and especially since we've been here at Sunnybrook, growing and maturing in my faith that, um, some of those things begin to fall away. Well, they're slow. I got a lot of scales, you know, yeah. but they keep falling away. And that things uh, that they do, be, it's just they're easier to manage maybe as you continue to mature in the faith. I love it. I love it. Thank you all very much for coming in here today, taking time off from your very important jobs <laughs> to come hang out with us for an hour today. Um, if you guys have any questions, please, please let us know. If you want to uh, respond to the podcast at all, send Steve an email, steve at sunnybrookcc.org, um, or catch any of us anytime we're in the building. We would love to continue these conversations with you. We will soon have a podcast on a similar subject with some guys and hear their perspective. Um, in the meantime, thanks for listening and we love you guys.